So all these open-ended questions allow for something to come in that you didn't expect. You're listening to WERALP, Arlington, Virginia, 96.7 FM, streaming and on demand at WERA.FM. I'm your host, Lynn Borton, and this is Choose to be Curious. Welcome. Today, we're going to talk about curiosity and evaluation, how we know what works or doesn't, with Carlisle Levine, an independent evaluator specializing in organizational and advocacy evaluation. But before we do that, I wanted to stop by my local little free How do you know if you're going to like a book? you think it's going to be a good book? And what? What makes a book? What makes you think it's going to be good? Well, like, it, you might think it has a happy ending. Uh, happy. Oh, that's a little photo. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, um, it, it, it's going to have chapters in it. I love little free libraries. You give a book, you get a book, you put books in easy access circulation right in the neighborhood. I mean, what's not to love? Based on their website, there are at least 35 little free libraries in Arlington alone. And once you know what to look for, it's like a cross between a dollhouse and an oversized mailbox, you'll notice them everywhere. I happen to have seen a lot of them because last year I challenged myself to walk a 1,000 miles in six months. That's five and a half miles a day, every day for six months, for those of you doing the math at home. And one thing I did to meet that goal was visit a lot of those little libraries. And you can do this too. Get your coat, get curious, go find a library or two or three or 35. I have a whole collection of pictures that I took up on our Facebook page, Choose to be Curious. Add a shot of your favorite library. Big part of what I love about little free libraries is that you never know what you're going to find. You have to go looking with an open mind. Which brings me to Carla. People ask how I find my guests, and this is one iteration. We met at a college alumni event. She said something interesting that caught my attention. I kept quoting her in other conversations, and then I just sent her a note, and I said, hey, we should talk. You want to come on my show? So Carlisle Levine is an international development, peace-building, and advocacy evaluator, which means she tries to contribute in a meaningful way to organizations' strategic decision-making and effective practices. Now, I spent many years in the nonprofit world, and evaluation was always a challenge. You, you believe in something, and you pour your heart and soul into it, but how do you know that it actually works? And do you even want to know if it doesn't work? You should, of course, but but maybe you're not all that curious. In researching this, I found an explanation of the kind of evaluation that Carlisle does as requiring, quote, group skills, management ability, political dexterity, sensitivity to multiple stakeholders, and other skills, all of which seemed to me to be like a call for curiosity. And I wanted to learn more. So here's Carlisle. Welcome, Carlisle. Good to be here. Thank you. It's really a pleasure. We're obviously in a time of tremendous shifts in public policy nationally and with big differences of opinion about what works and what doesn't. So this conversation feels very timely. Thank you. Um, First, maybe let's start with some basics. What is 
evaluation for the uninitiated? What are we actually talking about? Right, right, right. So evaluation, we, we talk about a systematic assessment. We talk about trying to t- determine the worth, the merit, the value of something mm-hmm. in a systematic way. Mm-hmm. So it's a little different from monitoring, which is like the day-to-day activity of am, am, I, on the, am I doing the right thing? It's kind right. of like, am I on the right, right track to begin with? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I, that sounds like a good idea. But but why do organizations do that or why might they avoid doing it? I guess uh-huh. is the other question. Okay. So why do it? Um, why invest a lot of time, money, energy in doing mm-hmm. something that's not going to have the desired effect? Uh-huh. We talk a lot about faith-based programming and we're not talking about faith. We're mm-hmm. talking about having this gut instinct that something works. But we need to test that and we need to find out whether indeed what we're trying to achieve is going to be achieved by our approaches. Mm -hmm. Now, when Mm -hmm. you talk about why do we resist it, I think a lot of your comments in the beginning um, resonated with me, like who wants to be judged? Who wants to hear that your your child, the the thing you've invested so much of your love in might not be working the way you want it to work? Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that we hear a lot um, is from program implementers is like every dollar, every minute spent doing evaluation is time that you're not spending serving people, making people's lives better. Mm And so, so the evaluation has to have the benefit of helping you do your work better. Otherwise, it's time and money taken away from someone who really needs it for some other purpose. Yeah, I was reading a, a short thing that you had written and speaking about sort of, you know, what needs to be true about evaluation. And one of the points you made was it needs to have sort of immediate relevance and minimal um, minimal effect in terms of creating it. And it's sort of, or collecting that information yeah. that goes to your yes. point of people feeling like, I can do one or the other, I can't do both. Right. So talk about some of the other things that that would be true in a good evaluation process. Well, I think your point about trust is really important. Mm. Um, and it's been really interesting to me. I've worked both inside organizations as an evaluator. I've worked outside organizations coming in to do an evaluation. And there's some skills I have to have that are not quantitative and qualitative methods. Uh-huh. Um, That allow me to be an effective evaluator. And absent those skills, uh, my quantitative and qualitative skills don't matter. Um, And those skills are some of the skills you listed, actually. And so they're diplomacy, communication, negotiation, conflict resolution. I have to be able to build trust with my client. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise, they're not going to let me in. I'm never going to get to the truth. Or or you come with bad news about, hey, what you're doing isn't actually achieving the desired effect. I am not going to want to hear that news under any circumstances, but I'm certainly not going to want to hear it from someone I don't trust. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we learn how to convey news. Mm. And that I kind of learned over time and kind Mm. of the hard way. Interesting. Talk more about that. Well, um, to convey news, um, you use a compliment sandwich. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. So, um, I w- and describe that in case people aren't familiar sure. with that Sure. So a compliment sandwich is, I love your hair. Hey, do you know you have a spot on your shirt? Uh-huh. Boy, do your shoes look terrific. <laughs> good news, bad news, good news. Exactly. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. And so then people, right, exactly. It's much easier to take in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a tremendous amount of diplomacy involved in evaluation, and we are very careful how we couch bad news. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. So- what does what role does curiosity actually play in that? Because you have yeah. very particular tools. I mean, there are yeah. very um, kind of evidence based instruments and tools and yep. protocols that you use. Am I right? Yeah. True, true. So if I use those tools, I will learn some things. Mm-hmm. Um, if I use those tools, I know ahead of time what I think I'm going to find, mm-hmm. and I'm going to look to see if indeed that's there. Yeah. If I do not widen my toolbox, I'll never find out about the things that 
I didn't anticipate having there. So this is the, this is the place where I think this is interesting because there's both what you think you'll find and yeah. what you want to find yes. and what you're surprised to find. Yes. And so how does that work in the evaluation yeah. process and right. to, to sort of get at something that we might collectively describe as what's true? What's happening? <laughs> so usually I start an evaluation with what we call a theory of change. It's a theory mm-hmm. of what, how does change come about? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I we believe you work with you work with whoever's doing whatever they're doing, and they might not have put it down on paper, but they do have an idea mm-hmm. that if we do this, then that's going to happen, and that will lead to this, and then you know, eventually people's lives are better, whatever it is that they're trying to do. Um, so there's always that theory. And so we're kind of testing that theory, like, does that theory hold up or doesn't it hold mm-hmm. up? So on the one hand, we're looking for some results that you would expect, like, you know, you were able to get these meetings or because of these meetings, such as such happened. But you also want to be able to test and see, like, what else might be going on here? Mm-hmm. What else might be happening? Or what are those assumptions behind this theory? And do those assumptions hold up? Um and so that's what that's where evaluation gets really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's the place where the tools aren't enough, right? It's skills with the tools and the spaces in between. Right. It sounds like. Well, and some tools are very rigid, such as a closed closed-ended question survey. Mm-hmm. But some some so some tools are deductive and some tools are inductive. And so the deductive ones are testing the things that I think I know, like uh, to what degree did this happen? I assume that that happened. But the inductive tools um, allow for finding out about what's out there that you didn't expect. And so the open-ended questions, well, tell me more. And the follow-up questions, tell me more about mm-hmm. that. Um, how did that come about? And then what happened? So all these open-ended questions allow for something to come in that you didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm reminded of Kurt Lewin's line, if you want to understand something, try to change it. And that that evaluation seems to me to sort of offer that same thing is that, you know, if you really want to understand something, you have to sort of take it apart a little oh. bit and figure out if I were going to do this differently, what might that look like to understand how those pieces connect. I think about that in the, you know, the current yeah. healthcare debate. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, to understand our healthcare system, try to change it. And then you really understand what's connected to what and and beginning to sort of tease apart what are the what are the data driven things that you can collect, but then what are the open ended questions? What are the stories, I yep. guess, yep. that inform the analysis. Yes. Well, whenever you have people involved, it gets more complicated. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it's one thing if you're going to give a vaccination and you want to see that someone, therefore, is not getting sick. Right. It's quite another if you're talking about healthcare policy and why does it turn out the way it turns out. Oh, interesting. Right? And so you get to things such as, well, so-and-so would never agree with so-and-so else under any circumstance. Mm. That has nothing to do with healthcare policy, uh-huh. right? Healthcare uh-huh. policy is a victim of a situation uh-huh. that you have to kind of figure out, and no one's really going to tell you up front that that's what's going on. Oh, fascinating. Well, so that's mm. an interesting kind of segue back to the very insight that you have that that I attached to myself <laughs> to in this uh-huh. in this meeting. You talked about the value of unexpected allies. That that's uh-huh. something you had found in some of your research. Yeah. Talk talk more about that. Yeah. So that was an evaluation finding actually. And so um I was conducting an evaluation on a policy issue in the U.S. in the U.S. at the national level, and it was common knowledge 
within the organization that um, this would the, the issue tends to be more popular among Democrats, though, although not always. So it was common knowledge within the organization that at after the 2010 congressional elections, mm-hmm. when the Democrats lost the majority and the Republicans got the majority, but not only the Republicans, the Tea Party mm-hmm. came in with a strong mm-hmm. voice. It was kind of a common knowledge that a door had shut. Uh-huh. And so, so the organization said the door had shut and therefore we pivoted to take a different approach, not with Congress, but with the administration. And... So I was talking, we were talking to many data sources. I mean, something that's very important in evaluation, the part of this curiosity is, you know, you hear something from someone, do you hear the same thing from somebody else? And do you, do, uh-huh. if somebody else asks that person, are they going to say the same, same thing or are they going to say something different? So so we, we were going ahead and doing this and every single person had this point of view. The door had shut and therefore we pivoted. Uh-huh. And then we had this one final conversation. It was actually in, during a presentation of our findings and, and someone in the room said, wait a minute. That door didn't shut. It wasn't that the door ah, shut. Interesting. Yeah, the door didn't shut. Uh, the door was open. It was just that it might have been a slightly different door. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. a different door to a different room, and you had to go through in a different way. The point was that perhaps um, the allies you had had in the past, the people you'd always counted on to support your issues, weren't there anymore. But there were other people who were open to your issues, even if you didn't think so in the beginning. Mm. And it was a matter of... You, you always have to, this is negotiation, you have to get beyond people's positions to their interests. Mm-hmm. And so you know, people might have these really strong positions. It sounds like, oh, geez, you know, these people would never support our issues. But if you get behind those positions to the interests, and then you say, you know, geez, on these points, we actually have a lot in common, and I bet we could go someplace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and so this organization started to, like, tap into these unexpected allies um, and noted that, they had very common interests and that together they could bring together a very strong coalition of Democrats and Republicans and pass this legislation, which will be very positive for international assistance. Mm -hmm. Mm, Fascinating. So that's one of those great kind of insights of the value sort of digging into that, you know, you wouldn't have, well, maybe they would have learned that, but they wouldn't have... um, because they obviously did it. But there's something in the articulation, there's something about the evaluation process that crystallizes what's going on that then makes it, I don't know, is that what then makes it replicable or Uh, shareable? So in this particular instance, um, you know, the the common knowledge was that, that Mm -hmm. the doors had closed. This one person said, no, the doors were still open. But clearly she hadn't been heard Mm. quite so much. Mm within the rest of the organization. And so, you know, we listened to her and like, what makes you say that? And, you know, what's, and she, and she gave all these examples, very specific examples of what she meant by that. And then we, as the evaluators, we can amplify it. Mm. And so we can bring it into the report. Right. Well, or it becomes something that y- you share then yes. out of that report in a in a completely unrelated context. Yes. Um, where it becomes something that I can, I mean, I will tell you, I've been carrying that insight That's around great. for That's weeks. Great. That's great. And saying to people, have you thought about who your unexpected allies might be yeah. in X endeavor, in Y right. endeavor? That's right. And that to me... And this is why I thought this would. This is where the my curiosity bells went off. It's yep. like that's being curious about sort of where am I hearing those opportunities? Right. Where do I see an allegiance that I wouldn't have anticipated, yep. 
or or to your point, and I'm curious to have you talk more about sort of how do people get at understanding others' interests uh-huh. and and sort of what insights you may have around that. And as people are building their programs and their efforts, if they're thinking about the evaluation process from the start yep. as opposed yeah. to after the fact, right. does that or could that, how might that influence how they go forward with the work? Yeah, right. So um, two que- you had two questions. There. Yeah, one, okay. one of, one Pile of, of questions there. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Pile of questions. One about getting at people's interests and the other about um, how incorporating evaluation in the work from the beginning can affect that yeah. outcome. So so about getting at people's interest, and you know, this is so important in this political environment where it's so easy for us versus them mm-hmm. kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. And you know, as soon as so-and-so starts talking in such and such a way, I'm not listening anymore. Right. So an, evalu- an evaluator always listens and mm-hmm. has to keep listening. And um, something I know is like, I'll, I'll be interviewing someone and they'll say something and I can hear it in my mind. My mind says, I know what that person meant by that. And then the next little voice says, are you sure? Uh-huh. Right? Uh-huh. So I'm listening, and then I have to say, you know what, I think I know what you meant by such and such, but could you tell me what you meant by such and such? And sometimes the answer is totally different from what I assumed. Interesting. Right? So it's listening, it's following up, it's not assuming that I know what the person means by something. Um, it's being open to the possibilities. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so that's evaluation, and that's also about understanding people's interest and finding common ground. Right, right. Yeah, Yeah. being attentive in that way. Interesting. Yeah, you had the second question about, like, what if we include evaluation from the beginning? Yeah, I mean, how does that influence what people do? Because it might, yeah, Yeah. my instinct is that it would, absolutely. So so tell me more about that. Well, and something I really really like and um, that's getting a good amount of play these days is the idea of evaluative thinking. Mm. And so that's not an evaluation, which could be a discrete kind of, intervention of sorts, but evaluative thinking is that no matter what I'm doing, I'm kind of asking myself questions about it. Like, is this working the way we think it's working? Mm -hmm. Or is this the best way to be doing something? Or how do we know that this is meeting people's needs? Mm -hmm. Um, And so there's a great example of evaluative thinking. There was an intervention, there was this, um, a natural disaster. Many organizations were responding. Mm -hmm. There were people who without homes, they needed shelter of some sort. Many organizations were providing shelter kits, Mm -hmm. things that Uh people would need for shelter. Um, And this one organization felt really proud because its shelter kit was quite complete, more complete than the others. It had some sanitation items in there Uh that made it really a great shelter kit. And they were very proud and they were you know, monitoring their work and evaluating their work, how many shelter kits had they given out, how many families were benefiting, blah, 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 blah. They had disease incidents, whatever. But but one of the program staff was kind of curious about, like, you know, is this really achieving what we wanted to achieve? And she's yeah. walking around, and she goes to this area that they haven't served yet. Uh-huh. And another organization has served it. And so there are people with shelter kits, not their shelter kits, but someone else's shelter kits. But there's this, there's this family that doesn't have a shelter kit. So she's curious. She says, why, why don't you have a shelter kit? And she says, oh, I'm waiting for yours because it's better. Oh, oh. So unintended consequences, right? Wow. So this organization had been so proud because it had this comprehensive shelter kit. And the unintended consequences of this was that there were certain families who weren't taking shelter kits because they were waiting for this better one. Wow. And the better one, there were only a certain number of the better ones, so not everyone Mm -hmm. was going to get one. Mm -hmm. So what would it mean that certain people got the better kit and some people didn't get the better kit? And what would that do to the dynamics? 
oh, wow, you just gave me goosebumps. What a what an amazing example of the kinds of things to be thinking about on yeah. this. Yeah. 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 Talk more about, I don't know, does evaluation get at unintended consequences? I mean, yeah, is that something sure. that you specifically look to? You have to. You mm-hmm. have to. So, so oftentimes we don't. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes we say, you know, there are a series of results we want to see, and we have these indicators that point to whether or not these results were achieved. And so just tell us, have we achieved these indicators? Like, you know, uh-huh. were this many families served? Were these many people in, more, in jobs who weren't in jobs before? That sort of thing. Um, but then, thankfully, in a lot of evaluation designs, people say, like, what else is going on? Look for unintended uh-huh. consequences. Uh-huh. Um, and so we do. And, um, you know, you do that in a normal interview. You do it by asking your follow-up questions. Right. You gather right. it that way. Um, you do it by, uh, as I was describing, triangulating by asking different sources in different ways and have di- having different people ask these questions and probing. Um, you do it with your final interview question, which you always have to ask. And it's the best question ever. It's like anything else. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> anything else. It always pops up things you would never expect, and then uh-huh. you need to look a little bit more at them. Um, there's some methods that are actually aimed at getting at unintended consequences. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one called the most significant change. And you say, like, over the past six months, as a result of whatever it is that we've been doing, what's been the most significant change in mm-hmm. your, what has changed in mm-hmm. your life? Mm-hmm. And people can tell you all sorts of things that you wouldn't have expected to hear. So, yeah, they're, they're, they're actually established ways right. to get right. at what you're not expecting. So if you were going to give the gift of an evaluative mindset oh. to people, what kind of question or questions might we go through our days with that would help bring that mindset to life? Uh-huh. Um so you know you want to ask, like, what's really going on here? And then you want to ask from different perspectives. Mm. So evaluation is often done from the perspective of the program implementer, from the perspective of the donor, what, what those people think is going on and what they think is important. But what if we ask from the perspective of the program participant? And we say, sure. program participant, what's important to you here? How is, you know, how is this serving your needs or not? Mm-hmm. Um, what difference is this making? Um, and so we want to know what's really going on here from a variety of perspectives yeah. and from the perspectives of all stakeholders involved. And it's just, you know, it might be a matter of talking to people. It might be a matter of observation. And then continuing to ask and continuing to probe the follow-up question is essential and like testing your testing your own thoughts. Or like, did I really, did I hear what I thought I heard or what did they mean by that? Uh, terrific. Terrific. Well, um, speaking of uh, perspectives, we're out of time on this, but there's always time for an analogy. So uh-huh. I have my big jar of wannabe analogies here. I want you to reach in, okay. grab a slip of paper. Okay. I'm going to get one. We're going to take one for the audience as well. And you know how this works. You have to make an analogy to uh, whatever is on that slip of paper to, to curiosity. So you're taking the perspective of, you know, what's it like to, for curiosity? So you want to go first or you want me to go? You go first. Okay. All right. Wait a minute. Let me see. What have I got? Okay. Uh, Curiosity is like a horse. Um, Curiosity is like a horse because it is definitely something you can ride. Uh, You can get on this thing and you can go far and you can go fast. Um, And I I think horses are beautiful creatures. And I think curiosity is actually a really beautiful thing. It's beautiful in motion um, and it's powerful. It can be a workhorse. Um, it can be a race horse, um, and it can be a show horse. So that's how curiosity is like a horse. What have you got? Well, I've got cucumber. <laughs> you see why I had you go first? Okay. So um, 
you can be curious about a cucumber. Cucumbers are interesting because they're hard on the outside, right? Mm, so you look yeah. on the outside and you don't know what's going to be on the inside because it's hard on the outside. Then you slice it and there's this part of it that's solid, right? And in the middle are all these seeds. Yeah. And we don't know like how many seeds or how is it they all fit together or you know, what's going to happen next with those seeds? Like how does one cucumber become many cucumbers? Yeah. yeah so like there's it. lots of exploration to be done with a cucumber. I like it. I like it. Thank you. And audience, how is curiosity like film? Hmm, interesting, interesting. Send us your your film analogy, hashtag analogy. And um, Carlisle, thank you. This has been great. It just flew. Thanks so much. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. You're listening to WERALP 96.7 FM. If you missed any of this show or want to catch up on other great programs like the upcoming Story Hour, The Melting Pot, In Transition, or one of the many fabulous music shows, check us out at WERA.FM for your streaming and on-demand listening pleasure. Also, check us out on Facebook, Choose to be Curious, and follow us on Twitter at Choose number two, letter B, Curious. Sorry about that. Don't forget to send us your film analogy, hashtag analogy, and send me some of those little free library pictures if you get them. Special thanks to my guest, Carlisle Levine, and the kids at Little Free Library Charter number 39,065. I hope you'll join me again next time when we'll talk about curiosity as a life strategy when you're new to a country. Curiosity and the immigrant experience. Until then, choose to be curious.